listeners, welcome back to ITS Podcast. This is the 67th episode to start the new year of 2022. I'm Dr. Maryam Kavishkar from Ahmedabad University. In this episode, the focus has been on automotive radar. The book that Haluk has chosen to review is about radars. Radar Signal Processing for Autonomous Driving, written by Jonah Gamba. Our special guest, as well, is going to talk about radars in automotive industry. This episode, we have Professor Marcus Gardel from Brandenburg University of Technology and Dr. Jeffrey Miller from University of Southern California had a very interesting conversation with him. But before everything, let us listen to Barish, who is giving us news in this episode to see what has happened in CES 2022 in Las Vegas. It looks like that intelligent transportation had a stolen spotlight in the event. Let us start our news mid section. Take it away, Barish. Hello, dear listeners. This is Barish presenting following news in the field of ITS for the episode 67 of ITS podcast. In this episode, we bring you some of the latest news and developments on intelligent transport and autonomous driving. Today, we will make a quick tour of the mobility-related exhibitions of the Consumer Electronics Show CES 2022. Consumer Electronics Show returned to Las Vegas in January 2022. The show welcomed over 40,000 attendees in person across 11 venues, and vehicle technology was at the center of the show with more than 190 automotive exhibitors. Driver assistance systems were uh, one of the most popular topics. AV chipmakers like Qualcomm, leader technology company Luminar, and self-driving vehicle company Waymo and Too Simple are some of the examples of the ADAS and AV exhibitors. Qualcomm announced new OEM clients for their Snapdragon digital chassis. The chassis includes Snapdragon ride platform for ADAS, connectivity services, and digital cockpit and infotainment system. Volvo and Honda announced plans to integrate the digital cockpit into their future electric vehicles, and Reno expanded the partnership to include the whole package. Intel subsidiary Mobileye introduced a new chip called IQ Ultra, designed for autonomous driving. Mobileye also partnered with Zeker, an electric vehicle maker, to launch Level 4 self-driving vehicles by 2024. The Level 4 system, broadly described as a vehicle that can assume the majority of driving tasks under nearly all conditions without any driver interaction. Too Simple, an autonomous trucking startup, announced that it is preparing to use NVIDIA's newest system on a chip for its driving technology. Neuro unveiled its newest electric autonomous delivery vehicle designed for commercial operations. The third generation vehicle has a top operating speed of 45 miles per hour and has twice the cargo volume of its second generation vehicle. Micromobility and electric vehicles were also top mobility trends of CES 2022. Connected smart e-bike system of Bosch was named the Innovation Awards Honoree in the Vehicle Intelligence and Transportation Technology. The Indy Autonomous Race Car Competition also took place in CES. Polymo team from Politecnico di Milano and the team of the University of Alabama won the challenge head-to-head. Autonomous Motorsport team of Technical University of Munich took the second place. Thank you for listening to the Minunif section of the ITS podcast. We will continue to bring you more news of breakthrough advances in our field in the upcoming episodes. Thank you, Barish. I bet that the sight of autonomous racing cars would be very interesting for everyone. 
That was Boris Chauhan from the Technical University of Berlin. Radars play a great role in localization and navigation systems of autonomous vehicles. The process of the output signal is one of the interesting researches and challenges. Haluk has looked into a book explaining this topic and he will give you his review. This is the book review section for ITS podcast. Read by Dr. Haluk Eren, Fırat University, Elazığ, Turkey. The book title is Radar Signal Processing for Autonomous Driving and consists of 162 pages. Published by Springer in 2020. Written by Jonah Gamba. In automotive applications, the signal to be processed can be accurate by ultrasonic sensor, radar sensor, camera, LiDAR, GPS and other engine control unit sensors. Although imaging and optical sensors can be a part of the sensor fusion approach, radar has distinctive advantages over these technologies. The advantages include the ability to detect both range and velocity simultaneously, to detect objects during the day and night, to operate in adverse conditions such as rain and snow. Additionally, with fewer small-sized sensors, millimeter-level accuracy in range detection is possible with the radar sensor for both long-range and short-range applications. The new growth in the automotive industry, enhancing driving comfort and safety, will result in more complex radar signal processing applications, especially for object detection, tracking, and recognition systems for autonomous driving. In automotive applications, the objects of interest for a radar are vehicles, pedestrians, bicycles, motorcycles, etc., including obstacles that are found on or along roads. The ability to sense and predict the dynamics of the immediate surrounding of the vehicle will be crucial in all automated driving systems. The existing book comprises theory, principles and methods used in radar algorithm development with a special focus on automotive radar signal processing. The book consists of nine chapters. Chapter 1 presents the basic of radar systems and an overview for related automotive applications. It also describes the importance of antennas to radar systems. Chapter 2 introduces the radar equation and it outlines the effect of propagation losses on the maximum detectable range. This is illustrated by an example with typical automotive radar parameters. Chapter 3 introduces key ideas behind signal processing of received radar signal. It deals with Fourier transforms and window functions including two-dimensional radar signal processing applications. 
Chapter 4 deals with various radar waveforms derived from the frequencies that are used in target detection and localization. Waveform design is a critical part of automotive radar development, depending on target range, velocity and angle. The effects of parameter selection are also considered. Chapter 5 deals with radar target detection, which is one of the very first operations to be performed on received radar signal. The purpose of detection is normally to distinguish genuine target reflection from noise and clutter. Chapter 6 mentions about Direction of Arrival DOA, estimation, which is a key part of automotive radar algorithms. DOA forms the third component of the radar cube, range, velocity and angle. Chapter 7 elaborates target filtering and tracking. This chapter introduces the key methods such as Kalman filtering and Bayesian theory. Filtering enables the radar system to capture the target's motion dynamics in real time. Finally, data association for multi-target processing is mentioned. Chapter 8 covers machine learning concepts and also touch on deep learning algorithms for recognition and classification to distinguish objects in the driving environment. Chapter 9 is categorizing automotive radar applications into short-range radar and long-range radar areas. This chapter ends with feature directions. This book presents both detection and tracking topics specifically for automotive radar processing. The complete and comprehensive coverage of the topic provides both professionals and newcomers with all the essential methods and tools required to successfully implement and evaluate automotive radar processing algorithms. I hope that the material presented in this book will give a useful insight to all readers, both new and already working on the next generation autonomous driving algorithms. This book can also motivate readers to start building and evaluating radar processing algorithms for future vehicles. That was Professor Haluk Eren from Firot University, Elazığ, Turkey. Thank you very much, Haluk. Radar and the progress in their design is going to be very helpful if we want to reach the final goal, having high-level autonomy vehicles in action. One of the researchers who has given many talks and keynotes about radar in automotive industry is Professor Markus Gardel from Brandenburg University of Technology in Germany. Jeff had a very interesting conversation with him that we are going to listen to it. Sit back and enjoy. Uh, hello, our ITSS podcast listeners. Today we have an exciting interview with Professor Marcus Gardil. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, and I want to start off just, can you give a, a little information about your background, what you currently do, where you work, and how you got there? 
Yeah, sure. Okay. So first of all, yeah, thank you very much for for inviting me. Of course, it's my pleasure to um, yeah talk a bit about let's say my my uh, research interests and and my background. So. Yeah, what's my background? So uh, currently, I'm a professor at the uh, Technical University of Brandenburg in Cottbus-Sinftenberg, so which is in the northeastern part of uh, Germany. And actually, um, I joined this university just recently, um, November 1st, uh, 2021, basically was the day I started there. And there I am uh, head of the uh, Institute for Electronics, Systems and Sensors. So my main research interest, um, of course, is radar. And um, yeah, this is what I do there in uh, Cottbus, actually. Yeah, before I got there, um, yeah, I was, uh, before my affiliation was with the University of Würzburg, there I was a bit more than one year professor for satellite communication systems. So you might now ask, okay, where's the relation between radar and communications? But um, yeah, my, my let's say my background is RF and microwave systems where my main interest is kind of combining signal processing and um, the system development and hardware, especially like um, direction of arrival estimation, beamforming and so on. And there, of course, communications and radars um, is uh, very, let's say, uh, closely connected together. So this is why I was working in the field of satellites before. And actually, before I uh, joined the University of Würzburg, um, I was working in industry for about um, five years, first having affiliation with uh, Robert Bosch, GmbH, and then with uh, Innocent, which is a medium-sized company and a part of Hella. And Hella is a big German tier one automotive uh, supplier. And there I was heading the teams um, for research and development in radar signal processing and also like tracking algorithms. And yeah, I joined my time there, um, yeah, doing basically or uh, being part of really a development of the next gen radar generations for um, advanced driver assistance systems, autonomous driving was extremely interesting working with all the car manufacturers and looking in that uh, industrial part. So yeah, that's kind of my background. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that. And uh, I was so excited to get the interview started. I didn't even introduce myself. So <laughs> my name is uh, Jeff Miller, and I'm a professor at the University of Southern California um, and uh, part of the board of the uh, IEEE uh, Intelligent Transportation System Society podcast. Uh, and that's uh, why we're here. So um, can you tell us um, uh, educationally uh, where you got your, your degrees and what did you uh, study? Yeah, sure. So um, I did study uh, electronics engineering at the University of Erlangen, Nuremberg. So we just I would say right in the in the um, yeah, central part of Germany. So in Bavaria. So uh, yeah, electronics engineering. And then after I graduated there, so I was uh, actually uh, so now I'm uh, 36 years of age. And when I did study, we still had the uh, diploma degree. So not my bachelor's and master's, but I, I got my diploma there. And after um, uh, basically I got my diploma, I stayed there as a research assistant together with uh, Professor Weigel. So he's quite well known in the area of microwave uh, theory and technique society. And uh, actually I did my PhD there um, on ultra wideband radar systems. So I did uh, antenna array development and design as well as signal processing algorithms for, yeah, direction of arrival of estimation basically for indoor radar use. So the goal of this PhD thesis was kind of to develop, uh, you can refer to it as, as a kind of a high precision indoor GPS for industrial indoor localization. Yeah. And, and I graduated so there, yeah. Yeah. And so your current research interests, are they still along those lines or has it expanded or changed over the years? Yeah, so actually, um, actually, when I did my PhD, this was the first time when I recognized. Um, so my, let's say my duty was there to really 
uh, yeah, enable the high precision direction of arrival system, uh, direction of arrival estimation in an ultra wideband radar system. And this actually, when I dived into this topic, I recognized um, because I had to do both. So the antenna array design as well as the signal processing algorithms. And then I kind of realized that, well, you read many papers from our signal processing society, um, which are about direction of arrival estimation, but they are assuming, let's say, very idealistic models, like the point, point sensor models. But antennas do not behave like this. And um, this was kind of the point when I recognized, well, uh, really if you if you want to uh, develop interesting microwave systems then kind of um it's really interesting to work at this interface between signal processing and hardware design because it kind of has to go together hand in hand if you really want to utilize the full information and, and build innovative systems and this is kind of where i really um yeah my interest in especially working at this area really started and yeah this is something i'm still of course um very interested in really working on this yeah how can we utilize i was kind of always fascinated in how can we utilize electromagnetic waves to basically um yeah visualize the world which is around us yeah right right how can we just use a couple of antennas and then basically with this make pictures from our surroundings i mean those pictures look quite different of course than we are used to but i mean hey it's interesting i mean we use a couple of antennas and we can make pictures of of, of what's around us and that's really what i'm what i've what i'm fascinated in and find interesting right and so that ties into uh, my next question here is that this podcast is focused on intelligent transportation systems. So can you relate your research with microwave antenna theory to intelligent transportation systems? How, how does it connect? Yes, uh, I sure. I think I mean, most most of uh, the listeners here, of course, might have uh, an uh, idea of this. Uh, we all know that radar, of course, is one of the big technologies which is, let's say, promoted for um, autonomous driving. And of course, it's also, I would say, the big backbone for uh, for current advanced driver assistance uh, systems. So I think that's quite obvious that radar together, of course, with uh, vision-based systems and um, also one or a couple of LIDARs maybe in the car, because this is the technology which we um, have currently and are um, really improving the designs for um, yeah, intelligent automotive systems. But then the question is, okay, how does it kind of relate to other transportation systems? And um, yeah, now, of course, we see the trend that, I mean, the automotive market is the big market, right? There you have the market volume, you have the large developments. And um, of course, also, the, this is kind of um, the driver which reduces the cost of all those radar systems. And then, of course, we now also see a lot of radar systems in, let's say, um, yeah, intelligent transport systems going to let's say industrial applications where the market volume is not so large so you can think of like the autonomous forklift or things like this or feed transport systems for let's say um big harbor applications um, or also in in the industrial domain so that's exactly this one right so if you have intelligent transport if you have an autonomous driving transport systems then of course they need to be able to recognize what's around them. They need to be able to recognize if there's, uh, let's say, um, other users. Uh, they have to uh, kind of um, be able to, to map the environment that they can do kind of self-localization. And yeah, that's that's the relation. And uh, radar is one of the technology. And of course, with radar, we need all those uh, microwave and antenna things, right? 
So one of my uh, colleagues uh, here at the University of Southern California is Petro Sianu, who uh, had a lot of impact in uh, the days of uh, adaptive cruise control when that was still in the mm -hmm. research phase. And, and that uses a uh, you know, type of radar also, right, of keeping a, a vehicle a safe distance from a vehicle in front. And so what advances do we have that are still to come with yeah. radar technology. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, good question. So um actually I think the the most important development which we will see. So um the I would say the the traditional setup. What is the traditional setup we have in the car? As you mentioned, of course, adaptive cruise control was one of the first um yeah driver assistance systems applications, right? It was a comfort system. So you had one radar, a relatively focused beam looking to the front. And then basically um, controlling uh, the acceleration and deceleration of your car. And now if you look into, let's say, middle-class cars today, then they typically might have three radar sensors. So, of course, um, still the single front radar for the adaptive cruise control. We also have now emergency brake uh, systems, right, for uh, especially also for urban driving or also for highway traffic. And we typically have two additional radar sensors in the rear corner of, of your car for the blind spot detection, for instance, or for, for the lane change assistant. Well, what we now will see in the future um, will be let's say that uh, any car basically even a lower class and middle class cars will be equipped the basically I, I i would say as a standard configuration with four radar sensors in each of the corners okay because this allows you to basically create this full 360 degree radar cocoon so the car is absolutely aware of uh, the, its whole surroundings and with this configuration you also then try to realize kind of adaptive cruise control because if you do combine the front front corner sensor us, then you can at least for let's say detection ranges up to 150 meter implement adaptive cruise control which is enough for let's say most of the countries uh, maybe not for germany where you do not have a speed limit on the highway right and there you need kind of uh, much much longer detection range um but this would be kind of the the standard setup and this would be um the first let's say um yeah change in architecture and then if you have an upper class car and you want to have more comfort functions then of course you might have more sensors like two additional sensors in the b pillars maybe one high performance sensor in the front okay so we will have much much more radars in the car then uh one of the um, additional developments will be that um, today, basically all of those radars in the car, they are working independently of each other, right? So you basically, um, you trigger them one after another. It's kind of a time domain multiplexing that they do not create interference. Uh, but in the future, we are talking about radar sensor networks. So basically the radars, if they have overlapping field of views in particular, they will kind of be able to talk to each other and really create a kind of, um, yeah, radar sensor network um, that that your car really is always aware of yeah, what's completely happening around it. Yeah. Great, thank you. Uh, I, I want to ask you about a uh, workshop talk that you gave back in uh, 2020. Uh, that was titled Machine Learning and AI Techniques with Intelligent mm -hmm. RF uh, Millimeter Wave Systems for Wireless Communication Sensing and Computation. Now, the reason that I wanted to ask about this is that we hear all the time, and I hear this in my own field, about machine learning, AI. These are topics that you can even hear on the mainstream media on nearly a daily basis. Can you just expand a little bit, how does ML and AI uh, get coupled with antenna theory yeah. uh, and used in, in, yeah. for, for what you do. <laughs> yeah, sure, I can. Um, so uh, 
first of all, I mean, we all know uh, of those big, uh, let's say, um, um, yeah, neural networks, uh, which are used for speech recognition or image recognition, things like this. And we kind of, so I'm not, I'm not a machine learning guy for, so for me also, this is more like from the application side and it's very interesting to dive into those subjects, but um, how this relates to antenna theory. So one of my interests is as a total direction of arrival estimation. So the big goal is, um, yeah, how can we basically make pictures with a radar system? And this is quite challenging because uh, the radar has physical limitations, right? Because the wavelength compared to the wavelength in the optical regime is uh, comparably low, which means the aperture size of our radar is uh, small compared to the wavelength. And then um, this gives us basically a physical resolution limit that maybe uh, we can physically separate targets in angle, which have a separation of maybe 10 degrees, or if we have a large radar system, five degrees, something like this. But to make pictures really with the radar, you want to go below this one degree and even go into the sub-degree regime. So this is quite challenging. And um, therefore, to achieve this, you need to apply um, yeah, super resolution direction of arrival estimation. That's what we call it. So typically algorithms which um, yeah, are model-based and do a high-resolution parameter estimation. And actually, that's uh, the whole thing is, is quite challenging because you need to have good models of your antennas, how the antennas are coupled, what are the effects of the radomes. And then they are also computational, extremely expensive. And um, actually, um, we, when, when I was working at Innocent and we developed a new radar um, generation, then we built about uh, 400 prototypes of that. And we precisely characterized each of those 400 radar sensors um, in the anechoic chamber. So we had an extremely large database of basically their spatial properties. And um, of course, I was interested in artificial intelligence and machine learning. And then the idea came up, OK, can't we solve this high resolution DOA a problem with mis machine learning? And um, we all know that, I mean, machine learning is, is, is a data-driven approach compared to the model-based approaches. And I mean, we had the data. and we. Basically, we did not only have to simulate that. I mean, you can also create simulation data, but we had this huge database of measurements. And this is when we said, okay, let's try that. And actually, uh, we started to really do this. So we said, okay, we let's train neural networks exactly on this task that given the antenna signals, the network should tell us, okay, uh, what are how many targets do we have and where are basically the angles or what are the angles of this target? And we dived into that and um, it was interesting because it turned out that with this machine learning approach, which is actually based on relatively simple and small uh, feed forward networks, you can achieve, uh, let's say, um, the statistical optimum, as we know from, let's say, um, yeah, parametric methods. And uh, yeah, this is quite interesting. And I think this is, has a rather large potential because basically the network really learns the whole characteristics of the antenna array and also the optimum method to estimate the angles in one step. And it's a simple, let's say, streamlined workflow. So yeah, machine learning and, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, artificial neural networks are, I think, very, very uh, are of large interest for high resolution DOA estimation. And you, you mentioned that you personally are not a machine learning expert, and I can I, I can understand that one of the things I love about driverless vehicles in the field of ITS is how multidisciplinary it is. That we have to work with people from many different fields, whether this is from public policy all the way to engineers and even physicists on on what we do. And there's many different fields. Have you found that this is 
uh, beneficial and, and easy to work with other people? Or is that one of the challenges that we have in this application area? I think, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. So I think really this interdisciplinary work. So this is something which is extremely important and we really can benefit from this. So um, as I told you, so I'm just basically, uh, yeah, I'm just applying uh, the machine learning methods, uh, which basically I, I'm able to, to understand and read about and maybe which I find in some uh, toolboxes and so on. And actually, when I was at then the University of Würzburg, it was not, let's say, an engineering faculty, but it was a computer science faculty where I was located at. And there we um, have a lot of uh, machine learning experts. And this exactly was also the opportunity which I took there to really talk um, to those computer science guys because they had a completely different look at the problem. And they sometimes told me, okay, that's interesting, your approach works, but hey, typically from the theoretical point of view, you should use this and this architecture because look, then you extract the information and use it more optimum. So um, they had a completely different view on that. And just by uh, yeah, chatting with them, having a couple of talks for a couple of hours, um, this really kind of boosted my, let's say, understanding of how this could be applied. And this is just one example, how I think it is extremely important um, to talk to the other disciplines. I mean, we all, to a certain extent, uh, do use different languages, right? And have a different view on, on the things. But once I think you understand your colleagues and you learn that language a bit and you talk about, you can really profit from everything. So um, I think it's just, um, yeah, I really think that's that's very a very good benefit. And, and that really makes that very, very interesting, right? And so do you anticipate that we may ever have a driverless vehicle major, ITS major at a university, or is it so interdisciplinary that you really have, you need expertise in different areas that all come together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that's actually a very good question because um, we see, at least in Germany, at, in the education, we see some development that basically you get or it tends you tend to get a more and more fractionated let's say a landscape of study programs right so for example you can directly start with um our artificial intelligence a bachelor study program and uh, this is something which i'm not sure if that's the right way because um i think it's also very interesting that yeah, the foundation of all of those high-level systems, let's say, is or lies in some fundamental subjects, right? So I think, um, yeah, engineering, also natural science or computer science education should not from the beginning on be tailored too much towards an application like ITS systems. But we should focus on first a very good fundamental basis. And then, of course, maybe in master courses or so, then, of course, you can specialize. But um, I wouldn't say that we should really um, yeah, have, have too specialized, too much specialized programs from the beginning on. I think the basis should always be, let's say, the good foundation um, yeah, in engineering, for instance, or computer science or math or whatever. Great. Great, thank you. Um, I, I want to ask you about another uh, a presentation you gave. It was a keynote at the IEEE Radar Conference in 2020, and it was titled Renaissance Meets Advancing Technology. I just love the title of that presentation. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what that uh, was about? 
Okay, actually now I have to think. I think the um, so this was it was not the uh, the title was not uh, of my talk, but this I think was the title of the whole conference, right? Um, and uh, I think it was it was located in Italy, right? The conference, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So I think this is why uh, why they kind of came up with the title because I mean we know Italy as let's say yeah the uh, the country where we had of course all those artists and so and then of course they kind of um, had this um, conference there and um, unfortunately it was just a, a virtual of course uh, virtual conference so we did not uh, we're not able to get there. So actually, what what I was talking about, um, I think it was uh, a part of, uh, as you know, I was um, kind of until 2020, uh, so 2020, uh, 19 and 18, I was acting as a distinguished micro lecturer um, for the MTT Society. And um, at the IEEE radar conference, um, I gave part of my DML lecture and I was uh, actually talking, I now have to think about it because there was of course a lot of talks in the last <laughs> couple of years, but I think it was the title of my presentation was um, Automotive Radar Systems and what else we can do with them. I think this was the title of my presentation here. Um, because there in that presentation, I typically give an outlook on exactly that development. So I'm just kind of showing the, the baseline, what's the current technology, which we do have in the automotive radar uh, sector and how the technology development is there. And then exactly how, of course, this technology extends to other applications and how we can use, for instance, exactly the same chipsets for yeah, detecting human subjects by uh, by extracting, for example, breathing signatures that you really know, okay, there's a human being somewhere and uh, also some security related applications. So how, for instance, you can, so we did one, uh, yeah, let's say study or one project also at Innocent. Basically we took an, a commercial off the shelf, new next gen radar sensor. And just by reprogramming uh, the firmware, we were able to kind of synchronize to another radar sensor. And once you are synchronized, you can basically uh, this was kind of the idea. So create targets, um, ghost targets, which are not present, but which are closer than yeah you. So you are basically a, a spoofing device, right? And th this was quite interesting because this also kind of uh, let us look into, okay, maybe we should also think about if radar is one of the backbone technologies for driver assistance systems and autonomous driving. I think it's also time to really think about this physical layer security. So is it secure or can some bad guys maybe take the radar, reprogram it and then trigger an emergency brake while you are driving on the highway, right? So um, yeah, this kind of was the talk about um, just uh, yeah, collecting all those ideas where else we can use this automotive radar architecture. Uh, you, you just mentioned security and I'm going to sidestep that one because we could have hours and hours of podcasts just on the yeah. security that gets built into these technologies, especially with driverless vehicles. But I would like to know uh, what your thoughts are about the different technologies that we should be using for driverless vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and so on. Are we looking at needing LIDAR, radar, video cameras, other sensors? Is there one of them that if we've got this, that's all that we need, or should we be having as many as we can and fusing the data together? Yeah, exactly. So very, very good, because actually this question also was uh, always one of my 
introductory slides uh, of my of my DML presentation because um, yeah the question is quite often our people approach me and said hey do you think what what will be the winning technology in this race towards autonomous driving and then as I said um, I am not so uh, I'm of course a radar guy but I think radar alone of course won't be the solution so we will always have at least two if not even three of those sensor technologies and the first reason of course is especially this functional safety right um, because we did, of course, a lot of experiments with the radar and triggering emergency brakes, just also uh, just for fun, doing a lot of experiments. And it turned out to be that actually um, you can quite easily trigger uh, such an emergency brake in, in, let's say, uh, older cars, which just rely on radar technology. But if, for instance, as soon as you have a front-looking camera combined with the radar, then especially the data fusion so it it makes the whole system such safe that uh yeah kind of spoofing is is almost uh impossible of course if you are have some very fancy ideas you could do this but this is kind of the reason why i'm really thinking we will always have um the um or should really look at the data fusion so i'm not sure I mean, the problem right now with the LiDAR technology is it's still relatively expensive. So we will see what happens if we will have multiple radars in the car, uh, LiDARs in the car, I'm not sure. But I think especially the combination of vision-based system with radars, it's, it's a very good combination. And of course, we have this uh, on the car today. And I think, yeah, we will do data fusion of, um, of multiple sensors uh, definitely in the future. And these different technologies and sensors, uh, they all have their own benefits. They all have their limitations. And so fusing the data together from multiple kind of gives you the best of all worlds, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because if you look at like, right. So I was said, what is the vision system? I mean, the vision systems, they are the masters of classification, right? I mean, that's the only, only technology which basically is able to do a texture recognition, right? So LIDAR can do this, radar can do this. Um, so they are master of this one. And the radar, of course, is the master basically of measuring of course, range is very good, but velocity. I mean, uh, what most people who are not into radar technology do oversee is that this is, I would say, the big, big benefit of radar that we can measure from the Doppler effect, the instantaneous radial velocity. And this velocity resolution is extremely fine, right? I mean, talking about that you can do basically, if you have your fingers above such a radar, then basically just by the velocity resolution, you can kind of play a virtual piano right and um yeah so that's really uh, the radar where it's mass off and of course it's independent of of the weather conditions i mean the camera has problems with the uh, bad weather right and also the lidar and this are just a couple of examples so you can kind of build a big big air matrix and basically put your check marks into the different sensor technologies what they can do and what they can't do and then if you kind of sum up all those check marks in the columns you will see okay if you want to have a check mark in each of the features you need then you need a, a data fusion yeah uh, i i always like to to ask our guests what you think the future holds as a researcher we're always looking to stay ahead of where industry is and research typically is somewhere five to 10 years ahead. But if we're looking even further than that, where do you think our research or, or your research yeah. will go in the next, let's say five, 10 or even 20 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually that's, um, 
that's that's actually a very a very good uh question because uh typically so i'm always kind of um maybe planning my next steps in in maybe uh five years steps or so because if you think about i mean um if i should guess about what what we have 20 years in the future if i think okay now i'm 36 years of age so if i think 20 years back i was just 16 so that's really a long time for me right <laughs> um so it's really hard to think about um what happens i mean we had I think we also see this, I, I think this peak um, interest in full autonomous driving, this vision that in five years we will have all the cars with uh, level five driving. And I think um, we saw that, well, uh, this vision maybe was a bit too optimistic because the challenge is um, very, very high. And um, of course, there's very interesting publication, especially, yeah, which came up like five years or three years ago, then saying, okay, this will be the big disruption because, I mean, uh, traffic and especially, of course, the use of cars is has such a large impact today. I mean, everyone has one, two, uh, or every family like even three cars, and uh, cars are taking up so much space. And once we do have the full autonomous uh, driving, then basically we only will have kind of car sharing, and we will need less cars. And you all the parking spots can be closed because there's no need anymore for park cars. They will always be. And you, so I'm not sure if um, yeah if this. It will happen if if this is to come. Um, so basically, what what I at least see is that the whole let's say um, this is what I kind of uh, think that the whole technology which we will uh, develop there will um, kind of allow maybe us humans to focus more on the important things, right? And and I think that's it. I mean. Um, hopefully and i think this is the big benefit of of autonomous driving so actually i do not like driving my car by myself because i'm really i, I like using trades because then the time is not lost right so basically i so my new university is like four hours from my home and um, if I would use the car, so then it would be just like eight hours, which uh, kind of vanish per week, right? And now I'm using the train and then it's just work time. And I think that's the important thing of technology. It should kind of help us to get rid of the things basically which do not move us forward. And I see this, for instance, in, in autonomous driving, because I think, yeah, driving for hours uh, per day and hours and hours per week and month uh, do not bring us forward, but I can also, Think about especially uh, this technology. If we then have more intelligent transportation systems, uh, that it, yeah, then we humans basically can focus more on maybe really moving moving the big big challenges forward. Yeah, the the visions of where we would be in five and ten years. I remember giving presentations back in. 2015 or so and there were major car manufacturers that were saying we're going to have a level five vehicle on the market by 2018 2019 and now yeah. we're in 2022 <laughs> and we've definitely made some progress but we're not at selling level yeah. five vehicles yeah. right now <laughs> um all right well do you have uh, anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with um no, actually, actually, I'm. Uh, I think uh, no, not yet. As I mentioned before, actually, this is, is my first podcast recording. So, um, yeah, of course, um, uh, yeah, it was quite nice basically to talk to you, and uh, it was a good experience. So, um, I think we had a very good conversation. So, um, yeah, no more, let's say, big things to to say from my side. I mean, 
I think I'm also not in the position. I'm, I'm, I'm just a researcher interested in technology, but um, I wouldn't count myself here to one of those big guys who have to kind of end some of the recordings with a big statement to the future. I think maybe in, in 10 or 15 or 20 years, I will have something big to say. But right now I would say I'm just interested in the technology. Let's move that forward. Let's work together. Let's uh, talk together, um, create interesting interesting new systems. And um, yeah, that's, that's I think, what's fascinating in, in all of our subjects, right? Well, thank you so much uh, for your time today. The work you're doing is definitely advancing the field. And I am excited that I would say in another few years, I'm going to get to talk with you again and hear about all of the advancements that you have developed. <laughs> in yeah, that sure. Time. <laughs> would be my pleasure, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this is thank Jeff you. Miller uh, with the University of Southern California. and. Uh, uh, the IEEE Intelligent Transportation Systems podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to uh, having you uh, on another one in the future. Thank you, Marcus, for sharing your ideas with us. I'm sure our listeners will learn a lot from this talk. Thank you, Jeff. Dear listeners, if you would like to join the podcast as a volunteer or you have an idea to share with us, you are always welcome to send us an email. We appreciate all your inputs. Thank you for being with us. This podcast is sponsored by IEEE Intelligent Transportation System Society. And this was Dr. Mariam Kavishka from IEEE ITS Society.